jungle. We've got fun and games. We got everything you want, honey. We know the name. Um, we had a uh, area t-shirts to help boost morale and I did the picture yep. for that. It was um I, I've seen a couple. I saw the one with the gorilla on it. This one was basically the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse mm-hmm. with Jungle Book characters in front of Mowgli, uh Baloo and King Louie in front of the treehouse. And then the branches of the tree and the leaves formed into basically the different attractions like shooting gallery or symbols, a jungle cruise boat. Uh, in that day, in those days, we had um, a, the areas were set up differently. So, Adventure Land, uh, New Orleans Square, were one unit uh, managed together. So we would work pirates, jungle cruise, tiki room, treehouse, and, and that, that's changed with the wind. I mean, sure, every four or five years, I think they reorganize just to keep themselves busy in management. Right, and our the office and everything was handled like our paychecks were in the administration building, that mm-hmm. building where the primeval world yep. be behind Main Street. Yeah, by, by the harbor entrance. Right, so, um, exactly. Harbor House. Exactly. Right, that was it. Uh, so, in some ways, it was kind of fun because the supervisors were always far away from... <laughs> from uh, you couldn't get to so that the easily. But the they park, were, but... Right, right. So, I mean, just, I, mean I want to just kind of... I guess I haven't put it in the context for people you were there from from the 60 from 1968 is when i started in the park when did you 1969 leaving? 1985 okay so you which should have been after the big strike right so you you had or a good, six months later yeah, that so. would be eight my math is terrible 16 17 years of the park you're right i was 17 yeah, years a little more than years. 17 years at disneyland in the park yeah yeah I just I wanted to sit, put that in context because you know so sure. far we've we've dipped our toe barely into the seventies. I mean you know you've yes, got that huge yes. span of time. Um, it was a skipper who worked in the summers of seventy five and seventy six that we interviewed. Uh, you may know uh, Kevin Cavanaugh. I remember his name. I can't. Yeah, quite kind of think. A, a lanky, tall. Uh, kind yeah, of guy. I just can't think. Yeah, who I'll, he was. I'll, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll send you all like on CD or something. Uh, sure. All the episodes of people who you might have known. I have more I want to tell. Oh please, no please! I'm just continuing to. That's all right. I, I, you were looking. My, I, wanted, I wanted to fill while you were looking for your next thing you wanted to. <laughs> Thank you. My very first memory in life, you mm-hmm. know, from um, from when I was an infant, I was in a bassinet, like a little baby bed, yep. in the back seat of the car, at a drive-in movie. My parents uh, went. To, took me to see mm-hmm. the cartoon Alice in Wonderland, the yep. Disney movie. And I remember my mother particularly trying to get me interested in the White Rabbit because I was just a, an infant. This would have been 1951. Yep. But I have a very clear memory of watching those Disneyland television shows with Walt Disney, his progress mm-hmm. reports. And it was exciting, I think, for all of America seeing these things. Yeah. I'm going to sing... A song from the show, mm-hmm. or part of it. Okay. Castles high in the air, all magic stars are shining there. But best of all, your dreams come true in Disneyland, Disneyland for you. You know, it's <clears throat> that era of television. Yeah. We, you know, we forget that at the time there were three networks. 
you know, and it, it wasn't like anything, you know, even in the 80s when there was, you know, the start of cable, there was, there, there was a very limited number of yes. broadcast opportunities. And basically all your friends at school watched the exact same yep. shows you did. Because on a, on a given night, you probably would only have one show that you wanted to watch because, you know, the diversification of the programming, there wasn't a lot to, to work with. But that that slot on Sunday nights where the wonderful world of Disney was... Right, it's actually Wednesdays in my it day. Was Wednesdays? Okay. It, when it started out. It was Wednesdays. I'm I know, pretty sure. I know that it, it switched moved over to, to Sundays. I think it moved to Saturdays and then finally to Sunday. Yeah. It definitely was Sundays for most of the years. Yeah. But at the beginning, I think Wednesday. Oh, well, because I know mm-hmm. even to the time where I was... Mm-hmm. Uh, in like the early 70s when I was watching television for the first time is Sundays would be reruns of the ni- 1950s and 60s Wonderful World of Disney. They would yes. they would show the old things or the, they would show the old Sometimes, Mickey Mouse yeah. clubs and then of course the Muppet show was right afterwards and they, you know, Mork and Mindy led into it after all. But the, still, for us, every Sunday we loved watching the old ones and they would show the uh, the lead up into Disneyland. And it really is, we, we don't think about marketing now. It's, it's effortless to us. You know, we see all the advertising, we see all that. At the time, what, what Walt was doing was the first viral marketing campaign of the, the scale of it is. And everything I know it was very this, effective. I think oh, yeah. the whole country was anticipating the opening of Disneyland. Oh, absolutely. Um, they, it was, it's hard to understand nowadays mm-hmm. how novel it was to go to a place where everything was peaceful with cohesive architecture costumed employees um, and more than polite the employees were actually friendly i think that was something very very different from what people experienced before yeah they were either uh used to disgruntled board employees Uh most likely, or very polite, but not true friendly yeah. employees. That was. Do you think that was a, an interesting contrast with the things that were happening with the civil rights movement in the 60s? Um, I mean, do you think that the Disney... That it, no, I don't think so. I, I'm talking about a, 1955, really. Okay, so even a little earlier than that. Very definitely. Because, I, I, I mean, I think about the the... the things in the news and the, mm-hmm. the, what the, the state of the culture was and the mm-hmm. Disneyland experience always seemed like a very isolated bubble from what was happening elsewhere in the, in the U.S. To me, I, yes, I would say Disneyland was very isolated. Uh, did, I don't even know if they even sold newspapers. At, they had the newsstand. Yeah, they had their front, own. But, I don't think they, they had any outside. They did later on, but I think part, a big part of the idea was that once you entered Disneyland, you were yeah. away from the real world. You were, you, you were in, truly in a fantasy. And um, one of my foremen came back from Yugoslavia, where he was visiting his uh, relatives, and he said he could not get, he could not explain to his relatives what Disneyland was. Mm-hmm. He said they couldn't understand that there could be a place where you would just take the day off from work and you would go for leisure to have fun. Yeah. It was such, like, a worldwide phenomenon. Well, yeah, and because there was, I mean, I, I know that, like, in, I don't want to get into the history of theme parks, but, I mean, there were some things in Germany, and but they like weren't... They, Tivoli Gardens, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly, but they weren't... Um, Knott's Farm. 
Absolutely. But it, it wasn't it wasn't the scale or the polish of what we would later see as entertainment in so many different ways. Um, so, what was the time that you were there? That sixteen years. What do you think the the biggest change in the the feel of the park or in the way the Jungle Cruise was? Like, what what did you see progressing in the time that you were there? Right. Um. It over time. It seemed to stay pretty constant. Yeah. Of course, the, the changes were gradual. Mostly, when I think about the past, I remember the people I worked with. Different. There were different, say, types of personalities, and certainly the Sue B era was <laughs> uh, an important one because there was something cohesive about. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, th- this one is. Uh, I don't know. This street is Figueroa Street. Yes, you're welcome. Um, you know, it's, it's I don't really know of uh, that I can put my finger on. Yeah. Of course, there were different things. Funny, they just that we had different costumes mm-hmm. on the Jungle Cruise at times, and for a period, they had four various different costumes on the ride at the same time, depending upon your size, from extra large down to small. And I remember I really liked. The medium, co- or maybe the small, or something, and so I went on a diet to make sure I could fit into the Humphrey Bogart-looking <laughs> costume. It looked kind of like a Main Street costume with a starched white collar, long sleeves, yeah. and a little skipper's cap. I wanted to wear that, so I, I, I lost weight, especially to be able to fit into that one. You know, we, um, you were saying as far as it kind of feels like things stayed the same. When I started interviewing people, I would have people from. Like the the, the the aughts, the you know after two thousand, would say, oh, it was really great. We came up with this great joke that was the first time it's ever been used. Then I talked to people in the eighties who said, oh, it's amazing. We had this great joke that we right, used. Right. And then I talked to people who worked in the seventies who, said, and it was the same joke. All new to every, them. Every, right. gen, every generation thought. And the more that I've talked to people, I've realized that the Jungle Cruise has stayed the same more than it's changed. Probably it has, A few yeah. of the topical jokes may have, you know, shifted, but it really is the same experience, and that's rare to find something that's mm-hmm. lasted, you know, 60 years in relatively the same form. I can't think of anything else culturally that's that's held on to that type of a feeling. Yes. I had, um, over the years, probably many celebrities or different people come on in mm-hmm. my boat. But the ones I like to think about were, say, the Disney people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Annette Funicello na- never actually went on my boat. She was a, a popular teenage musketeer in the 50s. Yep. But um, I was working guest control for a show where she was the star, ta- or one of the people appearing. And she asked if she could sign an autograph using my back for the table of support. <laughs> I've seen her, uh, I had seen her several times, and she was always a lady, always sweet and nice. No, absolutely. But the, I made friends with several of the Mouseketeers. These were had been child stars in the 1950s on mm-hmm. a show called Mickey Mouse Club. But the one I seemed to know the best, and was the friend, Jimmy Dodd was an angel. Yep. He was an angel. Oh, and there was, um, it, Jimmy Dodd was the adult mm-hmm. leader of the group, and he yep. wrote a lot of the songs, like, who's the leader of... But um, he was so nice. But um, Roy Williams, who was the big, fat musketeer Mm -hmm. on the show and did drawings, uh, was at the park very often after 
I mean, through my childhood, but also after I started working there. And I used to like talking with him. He would uh, mostly draw very quick, simple sketches of the heads of some of the famous characters. Well, and, and he was grouchy. Yeah. And I remember one time he said, Don, Jimmy Don was there for the nice kids, and I was there for the bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you talk about Annette being in the park, and it's so funny that the nature of celebrity has changed so much. Yeah. That, uh, you know, I, uh, Kevin was telling me that he would go listen to Count Basie playing jazz over oh, the yeah. Carnation. And, you know, you'd have these amazingly talented, sure. nationally known yes. celebrities yes. who would come and they there would never be any issue of... And you could be two feet yeah. away from them and just go up and talk to them. Oh, absolutely. My parents did all the time. My father was a big... Uh, and I would bring them out to the park because we lived 50 miles away to commute. And so we would drive together. They'd spend the time of my shift at the, I'd work a night shift and they'd be there at the dance bands yep. um, and they would chat with very famous big band yeah. leaders it was it was real nice for them but anyway getting back yeah, to yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bobby Burgess was uh, a tall mousketeer uh-huh. uh, known for a big smile and being a good dancer uh, I used to see him around the park he seemed to be a fan mm-hmm. especially when they were doing uh, mousketeer grown up shows mm-hmm. is like reunion shows in Tomorrowland yep um, he'd be in the park a lot, and one time he just happened to come on my boat and sat in that center bench yeah. right in front of me. And the whole trip, he had a big grin, and he'd say, I like how you said that. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. It was really encouraging. It was very nice. Was, uh, yeah, I like what you said. <laughs> uh, oh, um, Clarence Nash was the voice, the original voice of Donald Duck. Mm-hmm. And he used to appear... At Carnation Plaza, we'd see him sometimes with a, a like a ventriloquist dummy of Donald Duck, and he would talk and do his little shows. And uh, he did come over to the Jungle Cruise one time, and I got to to talk with him as an adult, not with his. I don't think he had the puppet with him. I, I, I would hope he didn't carry it around with him every day. If, you know. <laughs> I don't know, but he didn't have it when I saw him. <laughs> did um, what, what, oh John Lasseter? Do you oh, know who that would oh, be? I know John. Uh, we've been trying for three years to. Uh, to right, touch bases with John to get um, him to talk. He worked on Jungle the same time I did, yep. but I don't really have that clear a memory of it. Yeah. I knew him before um, when he was a sweeper, mm-hmm. and he was this kind of a skinny kid. Yep. And I used to like to talk to him about his experiences at, at Cal Arts. Mm-hmm. He was studying animation, the character animation yep. Yep. program there. And he would... I hope that noise is going to be... No, no, no actually, the... The, the windsock is keeping it very clean. Okay. So um, I, I remember he told me I was jealous because he got to watch actual pencil tests from movies like Pinocchio, yep. uh, this, the rough uh, pencil versions. Mm-hmm. And I, in those days, there was, that was a real privilege. Yeah. I, I never, you know, up until bonus features on the DVDs. Oh, yeah, no, no one got to um, see the behind-the-scenes stuff. But that he was told all... me that his favorite bit of animation was um, where Geppetto in Pinocchio is working the puppet as a marionette. And he said he liked the way the wooden puppet, not being alive, would fling around like it was actually made out of wood. And later it struck me as kind of interesting because... His big success was with Toy, Toy Story, Story Woody. and he, 
likes toys. So you know, his his son worked on the Jungle Cruise a couple of years ago. I see. Uh, Bennett worked on for for I think a summer or two, and just the nicest kid in the world, and just uh, amazing. Yeah, at some point, I I am going to get John to chat about his Jungle Cruise time. It's, he's a little busy right now. He has a few things on his plate. So uh, t- tell me about. Um, I'm sure you had some interactions with Wally Bogue. Oh sure, but I don't think I ever spoke to him. No. Uh, but I used to see him all the time. Was it just amazing it's to watch him to at the Golden Horseshoe? Because um, he's such a talented, talented... I saw him over and over again, yeah. of course, spitting out the, the teeth and all that. Um, I think I got more involved with the Golden Horseshoe when they would have those little... Um, they were small, scaled-down shows. I'm trying to think what they called it. Um, Shelley, I guess I made good friends. It was a younger cast. Mm-hmm. And they, they were very, very funny with dancing and singing. I can't think of the, the right. name of it, but that would have been probably around the uh, 25th birthday, around 1980. Um, I love the Golden Horseshoe, but I think I like these little shows sure. even better. Yeah, they they had more personality, maybe, and they they were kind of written for the time mm-hmm. and not quite as stale as the jokes I had heard yeah. thousands of times in the Golden Horseshoe. Yeah. Betty Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, Donald Novus was the first one then. Fulton Burley. Yep, absolutely. Right. And they had our, their break area up by the Adventureland office, so we would see them frequently. But I don't remember ever talking yeah. to them. They were stars, you sure. know. Sure. The um of course, you know, in that sixties time period you had the you know, the tiki room is there and then the Tahitian Terrace. That's right. Right next yeah. to the jungle was I, I guess I have in my head mm-hmm. that when the Hawaiiana, you know, period started it became such a cultural phenomenon, the love of Hawaii and sure. because it was it tiki. Yeah, was it was it a bit of a, a of a shock for for you? I mean, seeing that it, it was a very um, someone told me it's a lot of skin for a Disney show. I mean, it was a little you know. More, oh right, I see. A little more risque and a little it was adventurous, and they had people of color. I mean, it was just right, a very right. it was a very uh, big departure for what people had seen at the park before. Yes, um, it must have been. Yeah. It must have been. Uh, of course, when we had to go back to boat storage, and yep. it could be a little embarrassing. <laughs> uh, beautiful girls, like I had to squeeze by. They'd be waiting in the aisle for their entrance yep. to go on in behind the waterfall. But I had to get through to throw the switch or to yep. bring a boat on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's... I mean, that's one of the fun things is that you get to... Uh, you get to interact with everyone in a very, uh, you know, a way on stage. And then you go backstage and Cinderella is sitting there, you know, having a coffee break. And you um, sit Some there things and, were a shock. Yeah, yes. there was a little bit I don't of, want to go into it. No, 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 no. Some yeah, things were... Uh, we keep the magic, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a, you know, it was very different on stage and off for that level of, of interaction. So, mm-hmm. so now when you were at, uh, at, at Jung, you said you were a trainer. I was, um, especially maybe in my earlier years. Yeah. It's hard. You know, it, so much time has gone by, I, I've kind of forgotten what I did. <laughs> I think because uh, once I started moving on to other... I, I was occasionally a, a foreman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was a trainer probably mostly throughout my career. Yeah. But... <laughs> it's, no, it's all right. Yeah. I, I, let's I, don't, see, I, did, I don't remember I think I worked I on everything on the west side of the park except the ones that were exclusively girls but uh, except for I never did work on the the keel boats 
Oh, and those rafts? Yep. I'm sure they're still talking about it. The way I would kind of submerge the front of it, and the people would scream as the water would come up over the front. But um, it might be interesting. I worked on a few rides that aren't there anymore. Yep. Maybe in particular the mules mm -hmm. and the mine train. Yep. Um, the, the mules, I, I didn't actually travel out with the mules. I would help people onto them. Is this very oh, no, interesting? This is, no, I mean, no one's ever... I, I mean, think they had about... People, a lot of people don't even know that that kind of thing was there sure. in the early days. It would have been the area where Big Thunder Mountain yeah. is now, of yeah. course. And it was a beautiful ride with forests and desert and... Uh, maybe it's supposed to represent different areas of California, the high Sierras. And, and there were people who, at the time, who mm -hmm. had, were coming in from the, you know, the Midwest or from Los Angeles, who maybe had never had the experience. Would, right, of, right. Because it, it was the, very, very nice. Well, and air travel wasn't something mm -hmm. everyone did the way it is now. People would travel more by train or by car, and it was yes. It, it, people didn't leave their their little enclave, their little you know area that they were in from very often it wasn't like now where you know you can have a weekend getaway and fly from texas to back to then even seeing a color movie yeah. was an unusual experience yeah. people didn't have access yeah, so, so, to I mean, color so film seeing and, a mule and, and getting to, right, to go right. on this ride the know. mine train was very popular to work yeah of course that had the the rainbow caverns at the end where they had splashing colored water coming down waterfalls and different patterns and shapes unusual things and yep. they had that Acquiring 1940s mm -hmm. chorus going, ah, and it was corny, but it was cool and it was really nice. Um, it was a popular thing to work because it was so peaceful. Yeah. We got to control the speed. It was a little electric train. Um, but one thing that was kind of funny about it was, uh, I guess every, each morning the foreman would have to go out and grease the tracks with a stick mm -hmm. because if he didn't, the um, the grinding um, the, metal. the metal sound could be so so loud yeah. but then he would get so greased that the train would slide and so you'd be on the train <laughs> and especially you couldn't get up the hills so you'd um, you had a little gizmo on the bottom where you would press a lever so that sand would drop on it to give you some traction yeah. The same thing, you start to go out of control on the downhill part as it went by the big geysers. And I think every once in a while the train would derail because it was hard to control the speed. Um, it was a nice ride. It, was, it had so many funny things, memorable. I think what people would remember would be the, the teetering rocks where you um, piled up where they looked like they were going to, in the 50s, you were really scared because yeah. it looked like it was going to teeter up and fall on you. There, be bobcats up there and uh, then there were the hitchhiking and the funny um, cactus in, in humorous patterns and shapes looking like animals and people. I'll send you the phony some, cactus of course. Someone has uploaded on YouTube, they took it on Kodachrome uh, movie stock so there's no sound, but they actually had recorded the whole uh, ride Nice. and I'll, I'll see if I can find that and I'll, That's I'll send you the That's video. a lot of fun. Now, <coughs> your ride went through basically the same thing um, and uh but we had, it was difficult to work. Of course, mules are, are ornery. Yep. And maybe smelly and everything. Oh, yeah. And they caused a lot of trouble, the mules themselves. There was a trained horse rider to, to be on the, the lead mule, and there'd be, they'd be hooked together in what they called a pack of mules, mm -hmm. maybe eight together. The, in the front was a small mule going bigger, bigger. So we couldn't put the heavy people on the small mules, so we had to separate parents from their children, which, of course 
creates some consternation. Yeah. Yeah. And then the meals were pretty mean, and they wanted to eat, you know, I, ladies' purses. I, I heard so there were a lot of hats. T- a lot of hats got eaten. Right. Out. We had to take people's belongings away and check them. The date, and I mean, uh, uh, and um, people. And also the weight restrictions. Yep. And I know that I can think of some humorous situations that came up when people insisted, go, oh, but I weigh under, you know, ladies, I really weigh, you know, I weigh well under 200 pounds. <laughs> and, uh, <right. laughs> uh, well, I mean, and in, in chatting with you, I mean, I... Or 300 or whatever yeah, the limit was. Yeah. But they um, obviously weighed over 300. <laughs> you know, the... Um, there were so many things in that era that are gone now. Yeah. Um, so with the exception, we know as ex-skippers, well, there's no ex-skippers, former skippers, um, we know that the Jungle Cruise is the best ride at Disneyland. We just we know that inherently. Of course. But with that exception, let's take Jungle out of the mix. What was the ride in the 60s and 70s that you would gravitate to, that you just thought that was the best thing since sliced bread and that's the thing I like you... working Jungle Cruise the best Yeah, and it's possible that I've taken more trips than anyone in history it's possible because I used to volunteer for it and everybody else was begging to get off there were a few people who worked that many years I mean there haven't been mm-hmm. a lot of people who've who had been there for that, that length of time there was a while I really liked working on Haunted Mansion yeah. because it got me out of the heat yeah. and it had that beautiful costume. Yep. Um, and I worked on the canoes because I liked the exercise. Yeah. Um, no, but things like, I mean, I think the mind like Mission, was Mission nice to Mars is, a, is an amazing like thing just to go on and see. You know, right, a, right. Oh, you mean to ride yeah, on or just, to work just, on? No, no, just to either ride on or just appreciate as, as someone, you know, not working. Oh, for me, just, to, to ride on, there was there's only one choice. What's that? Storybook Land Canal Boats. Yep. I love those miniatures and the... The quaint architecture and, and the, the the very subtle humor. It isn't mm-hmm. like Jungle where they have jokes. It's, it's, it's sweet. Very I subtle, like that. Innocent humor. I like that. Other than that, I I really like the Peter Pan ride, the Alice ride. Yeah. Casey Junior. Yep. Um, Casey Junior is underrated. I like all the outdoor rides, like Mark Twain, even the People Mover, yep. but um, Columbia because it's always fresh because it's outdoors. Yeah. Like Jungle Cruise, the ones that are big elaborate. Indoor rides, like even pirates, I've seen it too many times. Yeah, yeah. I, I, no offense. Oh no, but, no, no. So uh, when was the? I mean, when was the last time you went down as a guest? Um, I have gone fairly regularly, but it was before the summer okay. this year. Um, but there was a, a span when I think I went decades when I lived in um, Portland, yeah, Oregon, Portland. never going. And even after I moved to Santa Barbara, when my main goal in moving to Southern California was to be within proximity, I didn't go because it's that drive. Especially my parents were incapacitated. I was the only one taking care of them. Then Alzheimer's, I just couldn't. I couldn't. The um, by the way, I'm a Seattle and Spokane and Portland person myself. It's nice. Oh, I love the area. Yes. um, when you went, when you went recently, like in the last few years that you've gone and you've gone to Disneyland, uh, obviously you rode the Jungle Cruise. Yes. Did, did it feel, even though it's a little different, did it still it's feel? It's different. Did it still feel the same? It depends on the skipper. Yeah. Sometimes there's enthusiasm. Sometimes just not. And uh, I want, I want to feel the person's putting his best sure. into it. I, I don't tell them I worked on the ride because that would change. 
change things. Yeah. Maybe after I get off. Yeah. Well, I think that was the same in any generation. You had people who would make it worthwhile, and then you had people who, who were just there as a job. Sure. But I'd say overall, Disneyland is really, really nice. Yeah. I, it, everything looks pretty. Um, of course, there are differences. Yeah. As, and I'm thinking mostly in, in the cast members. Mm-hmm. But I'm treated nicely. Yeah. Um, I, I'd, get, I'd be driving, say, my mother and father on the freeway. Um, and I drive slowly and I'm kind of scared. I'd leave 5.30 in the morning, but I'd still hit traffic jams going to the park. Mm-hmm. And I'd start, I would get so frightened of the traffic weaving in and out that I'd be shaking, shaking. By the time I got there, I'd go up to the toll booth and then um, at the big parking structure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there'd be uh, some employee I didn't know in the parking lot. And I do know I, still people in the parking lot, but somebody I didn't know, and they go, wave, have a magical day. Mm-hmm. And I think it was worth it. Yep. Here I am where people are polite and nice like in the old days. And um, being treated um, with decency and nicely, mm-hmm. it's, it's meaningful to me. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's an isolated jewel of that. I think that it's a concentrated uh, example of the best of humanity at times. And, you know, it's, things mm-hmm. change with, with every generation and the culture changes. But I still think that it's, it's a, a beautiful, it's almost like... Um, uh, like a wildlife preserve for manners and morals, you know. It's it's where they can roam free amongst themselves and be in their yes. natural habitat. Yes. So, and to to take a metaphor and extend it way past what it should have been. <laughs> well, is, is there something from the times that you've been there um, recently that you just look at and go, they did it right. This is they. This is something that they did that is is exactly what Disney is supposed to be. I see. Because it seems like you have a nice opinion about what, you know, your view of what the park was. So I'm curious as to, like, when you go and you say this this uh, Little Mermaid ride is, is would have been a great dark ride back in the day, whatever it is. Right, right. Like, is there something that just encapsulates You know, I'm kind of Disney's... funny. I look at the design of the 50s, the 1950s, as being the real Disneyland. Yep. And even, say, anything beyond the construction of the Matterhorn, anything newer, to me seems like it was tacked on. <laughs> and it's hard for me to get over that. I'm not laughing at no you. Matter, that, that, that's, that's a fantastic view. No matter how beautiful or elaborate it is. It's just not what um, it was. And getting older, um, the noise level, now I don't mean to gripe, but the noise level and the crowds, because yeah. now with, um, say, the different attendance patterns from say the annual pass holders and say the the different type of crowd whereas it used to be basically tourists of families coming it's very very different and um, when it used to be so uh, I again I forgive me but it used to be so peaceful Mm -hmm. at nighttime so peaceful there'd be the fireworks show otherwise everything was quiet The, we'd stand out in front of Joe and says, please come ride our boat, yeah. you know. I, um, I, I was there in, in 01, 02, 03, right mm-hmm. in that range. That was the last time there was an off-season. Yes. After 2005 and the 50th anniversary, after that, there hasn't been an off-season in that whole time. Where back in those days, we would sit and the park would close at 
at eight or ten, and we would we would back in my day it was usually six or seven. Yeah, and we would we would for the private parties. We could we night, could yeah. have ten to fifteen minutes without a boat going out because there were no guests. Yes, and you know we were Jungle Cruise was not what is, but now I I'll be honest. I don't go as often because I don't like to fight the crowds. Sure. When I go, it's usually a weekday. It's usually in either the winter or the spring. And I try to, I really don't go as much in the... I can understand. Yeah, because it really is too busy for me. I I don't care for the rides much. I'm kind of old now. Sure. And they're noisy for me. And they, sometimes they're rough. But I love to go and look at the architecture, Mm -hmm. study it, and look at the details. They're, um, in particular... I always make a beeline for uh, the old Tinkerbell toy shop mm-hmm. next to the Snow White ride where the yep. wooden beams come out. And they have blocky, carved-looking like, yep. like toys, yep. characters of Captain Hook, Mr. Smee, um, the crocodile. Yep. The Nana was removed um, back in the early 80s, mm-hmm. of Nana the dog. Yep. But that little type of touch is, is meaningful yeah. to you, me. You remember the villain shop? Um, what's the name? That's way after my time. Yeah. There was uh, there was a shop for like fifteen years that right there in Fantasyland. Mm-hmm. It probably was the Merlin Magic Shop. Yeah, it was. That's such, that's the most beautiful building they ever yeah. designed. That's yeah. such a charming uh, architecture. Yeah, that was what I was. But thinking. I like looking at the architecture. I like looking at the flowers. The, but I think most of all, I hope that I'll meet somebody, like say in the Disneyana shop, or especially employees who liked who like believe in Disney and want to talk about it mm-hmm. who are knowledgeable about it yeah. and that's i like polite people mm-hmm. wearing costumes yeah. i mean i uh, like disney costumes mm-hmm. for me that's magical yeah. i really really um it's special yeah to well, me and and i can see that you know things that people who have that appreciation stick out at disneyland because they're the people who go as guests and still pick up trash 30 years after they've been, you know, yeah. working there or stop to help a wheelchair over a, a, a hump or whatever it is. And those, yes. those people still exist. I've, I've met some nice friends that way. People. I used to push my parents through with wheelchairs and I made actually, it's a kind of unusual story where uh, a close friends developed from someone from Santa Rosa holding the door for me and now I became friends. I happened to meet their son here in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's it's, it, it's it, it very. Really, the, you see people at their best, don't yeah, you? Absolutely, and it's one of the reasons I love doing what I do with mm-hmm. with the podcast. Is uh, not only do I get to hear some amazing stories and and your memories of it, but now they're preserved and encapsulated for the rest of time for people to go and listen to and say, "This is what it was like in 1968," or "This is you know how this person's experience of it was," and it really is. Uh, a joyous thing for me to have those moments uh, put down. I'll, I'll, we'll, after we finish recording, I'll, I'll, I'll get you some, uh, there's some other stuff I'll share, but please, I mean, is it whatever else that you, I mean, uh, we're kind of maybe 10 or 15 minutes at most left to. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, it, now I've got so many things on the list. No, 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 please. It would take me an hour just to sort through it. Yeah. But I probably have hit on the most meaningful sure. parts. Um, Possibly if we stop and I look through and maybe I'll see something really delightful to tell, but I don't know. I, don't know. I, mean, I can pause it if you want it. I mean, or, you know. It's maybe a, uh, pause it for a moment. Yeah. And uh, different from what other people would yeah, say. Well, you can turn it on again if yeah, you like. Yeah, we're back from our commercial interruption. Uh, okay. There's no fine. commercials. But fine. Um, and I, I mentioned before that we wouldn't buy 
ride tickets right, specifically, right. but I'm pretty sure that there you could get tickets or coupon books, probably with the admission, I'm sure with the admission, free mm-hmm. um, by saving S&H green stamps. That was something from the 50s, I guess right. the 60s, right. too. And that's how we would save up uh, coupons. Go on that. We got Vacation Land magazine, yep. and for weeks ahead, we'd plan out how we would allocate those coupons for the, the different rides we were going to go on. But, of course, we used to tear tickets, I mean, as Jungle Cruise and around the park, and uh, there'd be the man who was taking tickets would spiel kind of a barker mm-hmm. to lure people into the ride, but there are all those jokes about who lost the roll of $20 bills or $100 mm-hmm. bills. But the one that I liked was um, that's E, as in Euripides, because Euripides E's right out of your coupon book and hand them to your friendly <laughs> ticket taker. Don, uh, Don Chapman was telling me a story that um, there were some lockers that were backstage uh, in the boat storage area and for, like day, for people to keep their things during the day while they were working. And uh, apparently he went back there one day and there was a guy with a duffel bag and out of the top of the bag he saw a couple of tickets. And so he goes over and says, hey, what's in the bag? And the guy hides it and the, he, Don brings security over and the guy had an entire duffel bag of tickets that he would collect during the day and pocket them over a week's time or whatever and then would go outside the park and sell them black market. Oh my! And it's is one one of the few times where someone's you know been arrested as a cast member for right. I see felonious and I um I knew that it, they were strict about yeah making sure saving tickets, but I sure felt bad when I would rip antique tickets from 1955 and sure. half because of course that came up and I look at say a special ticket passage aboard the Mark Twain and I it hurt me to tear it in half and throw it into the box. Yep. Um, there was, uh, there is a, an expression um, you've probably heard. It was around the early years I worked there. They always say, "What would Walt have done?" Mm-hmm. But that was a genuine sentiment. Yeah. I think people really, the company, they were afraid the company wasn't going to be sure. able to keep going on without Walt, mm-hmm. without his guidance. And really, people were cautious, like Ron Miller and all the, sure. about trying to actually follow second guess. What would Walt have done? People make fun of that now. But well, and the thing I look at is at the time, I think that was very vital because people knew Walt Disney and they knew what he would have wanted done. The problem now is that you have people who justify their own beliefs, which have nothing to do with what Walt would have wanted, but they, they justify what they think is the right thing for Disneyland by using that phrase. It's one of my, my pet peeves when I hear someone going on about, oh, this is what Walt would have wanted. And I'm like... How would you know? You it know, is you didn't uh, know right. Walt. Right, of course, everybody wants his own di- yeah. idea yeah. pushed through. Um, but one thing I really uh, that I stands out in my memory is the guests. Mm-hmm. I remember individual faces. Yep. I remember people I only saw for a few seconds mm-hmm. or during my Jungle Cruise boat spiel. I can remember them strongly, yeah. and that's kind of a nice memory. I, I remember my first trip, the first time I gave the spiel with my trainer on board, a little boy uh, sit, got on saying, telling his parents, this is my favorite ride. And by the end of the ride, I was thinking, uh-oh, I wonder if it still <laughs> could favorite. be his favorite. I remember a little boy that turned to his parents and said, 
a different boy. What does he mean? Might never see civilization again. And then there was a beautiful young woman um, on, stepping onto the conveyor belt or the load belt on the haunted mansion, mm-hmm. getting ready to get into her doom buggy. And she's beautiful. And she grabbed me by the arms, like clutched onto me, and um, with a beautiful British accent said, mm-hmm. Is it horrid? <laughs> so cute. You know, the, the opposite is something I've talked about so many times, which is when you're out at a grocery store and you think you know someone and you realize you've seen two sure. or three million people and at some point they all right, kind of run cross together. Paths again. We, we, I have had people run after me and they go, I know you. You yep. directed our Jungle Cruise yep. spiel. Somebody even came to the door um, not know, and they said, and they knew me right away we, from that. We have, a, we have a term for it. It's called small world syndrome. Right, right. Because it's, it's a small world. That's fun. After all. Good. I think I've um, covered everything, everything important, but I was very, very happy working at Disneyland. Yeah. I miss it. I, think I miss that, it a I lot. I think that the breed of that, that people are who really took it to heart, it never leaves and us. I did. It never leaves us. It's something that I still to this day point with two fingers, and I probably always will when, you know, there's things that are are important to us you know for for years i carried we had these little plastic cards when we got trained that had the the disney four keys and the you know all of the, the i've of, seen that yeah, yeah i had that in my wallet for a solid 10 years after i left the, the park you know i mean for the the times that i was there it sat in my wallet and i only took it out because i was afraid it was getting cracked and aged a little bit too much um but you know it is it becomes a part of who you are and Especially with, you know, 16 years of your life, how can it not be formative and important and magical and wonderful for someone who uh, every day would obviously come in and have it be, uh, you know, something that was so unique and wonderful and fantastic. So, of course, it stays with you. That's It's great that it does. Um and that sucks. That's why I do this because I those are those are the moments that make a difference to me. Is getting to say, I sat down with Don Bob's and you know spent an hour and a half listening to his amazing stories about when he worked at Disneyland. Thank you, and That's, thank you for all the work you do on this. Yeah. Thank you. Well, you know, there's only so many of us who ever did this job, and there's only so many stories, and it would be a shame if. We didn't get to hear them at some point. And I'm not saying that from a, a, my ego or that I think that I'm, you know, it's, I, I don't look at myself as anything but a facilitator to some amazing stories. And I, I'm lucky to, to get to hear them. This is, this is absolutely what I, you know, was looking forward to, to uh, getting a chance to, to meet you after some of the things I've heard. So absolutely uh, a pleasure. Thank you, Kyle. Anything, Thank you. anything else? Any other last little stories? I believe stories that's everything. Or? No, uh, I'm sure I'll think of them uh, <laughs> tonight. Always after I wake so. up in the middle of the night with all my really good stories. That's always how, how I was with jokes for me. When mm-hmm. I had an idea for a joke, it was always at 2 in the morning. And I'd roll and over remember. and I would forget it by the next morning. So anyway, it's an absolute pleasure, Don. I'm, I'm gonna, I appreciate you taking uh, the time Santa Barbara is beautiful. And I'm sure that um, people will reach out to me who remember you. And I'll be happy to pass them along to you. So, I Thank you. That, that's priceless. Yep. And uh, to everyone out there listening, thanks a whole bunch. This is going to carry us through 
uh, into September, I believe. So uh, thanks, everyone, for continuing to listen. Uh, pass this along to your friends. And as always, we wish you a hearty and happy Kungaloosh. And uh, take care, jungle friends. <laughs>